Good morning. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and I want to invite you to this special summer worship celebration. Ready Vacation Bible School friends? One, two, three. Welcome to First Presbyterian Church. Yay! The first lesson today is from First Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 through 19, page 210 in the New Testament in your Pew Bible. Of course, there is great gain in godliness combined with contentment, for we brought nothing into the world so that we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. But as for you, man of God, shun all this, Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and fit for which you were made, the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. In the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession, I charge you to keep the commandment without spot or blame until the manifestation of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will bring about at the right time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, it is he alone who has immortality and dwells in unapproachable light whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. As for those in the present age are rich, command, command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading is taken from Luke's Gospel. We are in Luke 16, verses 19 through 31. This is the rich man and Lazarus. Listen again for the word of the Lord. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen, and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. 
The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. He called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things and Lazarus in like manner evil things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. Beside all this, between you and us is a great chasm that has been fixed so that those who might want to pass from here to you cannot do so, and no one can cross from there to us. He said, then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may warn them so that he will not also come into this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So there's a story of parents both working all day, leave their precocious three-year-old daughter at home with the grandparents. And so at the end of a long day, they both hit the driveway at the same time. They join hands and get to that point in the day, which they're all looking forward to, which we all know if we've all had children who at one time in our journey with them were excited to see us at the door and would run up and hug us and kiss us. So the parents join hands and said, let's go see that little girl. So they walk into the house, and there's the girl at the end of the hallway standing with the grandparents, and they both extend their hands. You going to give us a kiss? You going to come hug us? And the little girl says no. And the, and the grandparents say, well, they've been working hard all day. You know, they work to earn money so you can have this great house, so we can have clothes and food and go on vacation, do all kinds of things. They work hard for their money for you. Why don't you go give them a kiss? And the girl says, no. And then finally they say, well, why not? And she says, first, show me that money. (laughs) Proof of at a very young age, we start to have a relationship with money and with stuff. We know that Even as children, teachers of young children will know this as well as parents and grandparents who spend any time with young children, teaching them to share is an interesting experiment. The natural instinct is to say, it's mine, you can't have it. I don't want to share it. Mine, 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 mine. They can even get to the tantrum phase where then it all blows You hope it's not at the store, but sometimes it is. I want the gummy bears, can't get them. Often in life, we learn how to take care of the tantrum, but the challenge is to move away from that mine and hoarding mentality to see what we have as a gift from God 
to then share it with others. This story, uh, and I'll call your attention to the, the piece of the work of art on the cover of your bulletin. This is an artist by the name of James B. I'll say Janknit. We can make silent whatever consonants you would like there. Uh, he's uh, currently living, uh, is an artist in Austin, Texas. He's been Episcopalian, Roman Catholic, retired a few years ago, lives on an art farm, as he calls it, um, and does some Christian works, which I think are helpful, this one in particular. So to retell the story, let's look at what we're seeing. In the top left, you have the well-dressed man whose table is full, even behind him the sign that says, all you can eat. He's got all he can eat and more, stuffing himself full. And counter to that bottom right, we have Lazarus. We have the, do the dogs that are there that lick his sores. And then on the other corners, they juxtapose themselves. Bottom left, that's the same man at the table who is well-fed. Now in Hades with the flames around him, looking up, sad, and in a desperate place. He is looking across to the top right corner where you see the two men. The, that is Abraham with Lazarus at his bosom, which was the place you wanted to be, that signification of a well-done life, and you were welcomed into God's kingdom. The only other thing right below that, you see five seated men at a table. These are his brothers. You remember he says, Abraham, just send me back or send somebody back so you can tell them so they don't wind up here. And Abraham says, they've got Moses. They've got the prophets. If they don't listen to them, not even if someone rose from the dead would they believe it or be convinced. And so the men around the table are those five brothers. And then these three, and, and I admit I had to take a picture and then make it bigger on my camera so I could see what it was. The first one is Moses, because they were just speaking of Moses and the prophets. He's got the Ten Commandments. You can see it if you look close. You see the shape of the tablets. The one to his right is a prophet. He's got an unrolled scroll. So again, Abraham said, they've got Moses and the prophets. If they're not going to listen to them, there's no use in sending people even back from the dead. And then the third one could be Jesus. I couldn't quite tell if his hands were punctured or not, but it's either Christ or uh, a prophet of some sort to show that they've already been sent in their lives to these five men who haven't been listening or don't quite understand that they're there for them. So at the heart of the story, well, how about I just get to it? Two things I want you to take. One, we are called, as this man was, who lived his daily life in comfort and passed this man at the end of his driveway every day. The man wasn't sent to Hades because he was wealthy, because Abraham too was wealthy. Being rich and wealthy does not disqualify you from God's love or salvation. It's what he did with his life, what he did with what he had, and how he treated other people. You and I have Lazarus's in our lives every day. 
We participate in feeding the world and educating others in a larger scale through our mission partners, and that is wonderful. We're not told if this rich man paid dues to the, to the temple and therefore helped other people to be fed. This is an intimate one-on-one challenge. The rich man saw him every day at the end of his driveway and did not help him. Every day, you and I run into people who need help. Maybe they look like we see Lazarus in our mind. This is not, by the way, Lazarus that Jesus raised from the dead. Completely different. But you may have somebody at work that is afraid they're going to get fired because they don't think they're doing a good enough job. You might have somebody in your family that's struggling with health or their, their path in life. You may have somebody down the street, a neighbor, that may have lost a loved one or is struggling in whatever way they might be. Every day, we have a Lazarus or a variety of them that God places in our path. And the key is for us to say, I can think I can help them, at least I want to try. Sometimes you'll be taken advantage of, but sometimes you will have the power to change lives. Those of you that have had those experiences or been on one-on-one relationships where you sought to share what, who you were with somebody to help get them on their feet, or you've been on a mission trip, or you've been in other serving settings where you share and love with somebody else, and because of that interaction, they're able to move forward in their life. That's what we're being called to do. So who are those Lazaruses that might be in your home, down the street, at school, in your business, in your volunteer group, in church? The call is for us not to just see them, look them in the eye every day, or even worse, be indifferent and pretend like they don't exist and their problems are their problems, and we let them go. So I want you to think this week, who are those Lazaruses that need your help that you can give and share with them? Two, it doesn't just benefit them. Timothy talks about the life that is really life. If we all are aware of half-lives in science, and a half-life is simply radioactive isotopes, the time it takes for radioactive isotopes to reach half of their former value, iodine-131, 8.1 days to reach its half-life. I know, I know, old hat. But as we borrow this for our religious significance, We often live half-lives rather than full lives. Our full life comes from being rooted in Christ. You can live a successful, as the world says it, half-life and still miss out on the other half. We can have all the stuff we need. We can have our financial buckets full for ourselves, for everybody else that might come calling. We can have the stuff of this life which there is nothing inherently wrong with. But if that's all we're living for, if that's all we're spending our time and resources on, that is a half life. To take full life, it means that we realize we are in a position to be bettered as we serve others. 
that when we walk with Christ, we will see and be fed by the way that we help others. Those of you that do this know it as well. When we help others in Christ's name, we are often transformed even more than those we are seeking to help. And there is such need, such need. So go and identify those Lazaruses. Take stock of your life and see where we can move from half-life to full life rooted in Christ. It doesn't mean you have to sell anything and be a Lazarus yourself, because at times certainly we all are in need and hope that others will come to us the way that the rich man should have gone to Lazarus. Jesus here doesn't say the rich man should have sold everything he had and camped out and buddied up with Lazarus. He just clearly says he should have helped him. So be inspired today by this parable that Christ tells. Who were the Lazaruses and how through those opportunities can we make our lives hold through Christ? Hallelujah. Amen.